Heavenly Father, we just praise you for your presence here. We can't get along without it. Father, I pray this morning that you would prepare our hearts and our minds to hear from you. Father, I pray that that as you prepare the soil to receive you, that you would show up in a mighty way and that you would speak to us, each and every one of us, right where we are. That you would talk to us in a way that we could hear you and with our minds and hearts ready to receive you, that we would just be touched and changed and inspired. We would be different for the experience and everybody would know it. And I pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Man, it's awesome to see all these short people. This is what we're all about right here. Lately, we've been talking a lot about teams and and, uh, and what we're going to do and how we're going to go forward and, and uh, as a church body. And the truth of the matter is, is the youth teams are the most important teams that we have. We have mighty and important teams. But how we take care of these guys and how we teach them and lead them trumps everything else. Uh, so we're real thankful to have them. We're real thankful for that responsibility and those that have been put in the position of, of uh, leading them. Yeah. We're, we're right here today. We're at, you know, it's been a crazy ride since, since the third week of November when Mark called me and, and uh, I never seen any of it coming. And then here we are today. And uh, it's at a place that nobody in their humanness could have seen fixing to happen. We're, we're carpenters are here. We're going to be building on our new building. And uh, 10 months ago, it would have looked like we would have never needed a building. But God has an entirely different plan for us. And I'm humbled and in awe and amazed that he would allow me to be part of it. And in that, in that, you know, the importance of you guys and me being part of you and you being part of me and where we're going, I know that I have to set the tone right. I have to, I have to lead. I have to set things up for success so that this thing is mighty and happening. We're fixing to build on a building that needs to be operating hundreds of years after I've gone home to see the Lord in a healthy, functional way that's leading these young people, whether they're young in the spirit or young in their physical body, in the right way. And yesterday I had a, I had a great privilege of a friend of mine was doing a clinic up in Kingman, Kansas, and he asked me, since I'm booked on Sunday mornings, um, he asked me if I'd come yesterday, and we w did church, 7.30 yesterday at Kingman. And while he was talking, he said a couple of things, and uh, they really touched me. And this is, this is the theme of where I'm going today. The first thing he said, he was quoting his wife, but he said, she always says you've got you to gotta play the tape all the way through. And I love that because it resonated in me a couple years ago. I heard a, a guy, and he was, 
he was talking to high schoolers, and he told them basically the same thing, only in a different way. He said, you've got to begin with the end in mind. You've got to look at how it's going to finish before you do whatever act you're fixing to do. And it really changes your perspective if you'll think about how it's going to look down the road. The other thing that he said that was equally inspiring to me as he quoted his wife, he said, you got to prepare to do the next right thing. Always prepare to do the next right thing. And I loved both of those things. And so that's what we're doing here today is we're, we, are, we are beginning with the end in mind. And we are preparing right now today, we are preparing to do the next right thing. And so it's my responsibility here today to tell you the truth. And we're going to start, I want you to turn with me as I start in this, we're going to go to Acts, the sixth chapter. We're going, to, we're going to be two places in the Bible today, Acts 6th chapter, and then we're going to go from there. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians 12, but we'll start here in Acts. And all of this is inspired with, with my desire for this church body to be healthy. For each and every one of you that's here to still be here 25 years from now and excited to be leading this body in a real positive direction and 50 years from now and 100 years from now. So as we go here in the sixth chapter of Acts, this is the, this is the beginning of the first church. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. And this uh, amuses me. The churches had trouble right from the get-go. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, <laughs> saying that their widows were discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. Always there's going to be trouble in church. And most of that trouble starts just like this here did when you show up in a country club setting. I'm going to go there. I've paid my membership dues, and I expect a certain amount of service. That's what's happening here. It's easy to see it. But the believers rapidly multiplied. And there was rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers were complaining about the Hebrew-speaking believers saying that their widows, our people, aren't getting the same service as yours. We're being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. They weren't getting the service they expected when they showed up. The downfall of every church that I've ever heard that's fallen has, has started with this, I showed up here to be served. And now, no matter, no matter what it is or how excited you are in the beginning, sooner or later there's coming that day when that service is not quite what you thought you had coming. Preacher keeps picking on me. 
I mean, I know he's not talking directly to me, but it seems like he formulated that sermon just for me. Or the music was too quiet. God, I wish he would just turn that up a little bit. <laughs> or <laughs> David saying, we ain't never heard that yet. <laughs> but there's always something. And, you know, the other thing that really amuses me here is these guys were beginning at the beginning stages of the very first church, and they didn't have it all figured out. They were groping around trying to find their spot. Same as we are still today. But they stumbled onto something right here. So if we go to verse 2. So the 12 called a meeting of all the believers... And they said, we apostles spend our time teaching the word of God. We apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. All of a sudden, we're getting a whole nother picture of what was happening here. First of all, the church members showed up expecting to be served. Second of all, as there was 12 guys trying to do all the work and they weren't very good at it. They had something they were called to do, and they couldn't even do that at an upper level because they were doing all the other things. And so the quality of their work was mediocre, and it was noticed, and those expecting to be served were like, man, this is mediocre. This is not what we thought we were signing up for. We, we come to the living God to be healed. We come here broken, expecting, expecting deliverance, Really, we showed up expecting a recliner with grapes being fed to us and somebody keeping the flies off. We don't want to put them little socks on. <laughs> we all show up that way. We all show up broken some way or another. But the quicker we rip that Band-Aid off and realize where our real life is hidden... The more powerful the church is, the healthier the church is, and the more enjoyable, the more inspiring, the more exciting, the more prosperous, the more invigorating our part of it is. You think about this for a second. What's the greatest thing, the most, the most fulfilling thing that you ever did? For me, this right here is right at the top. This and raising my children. Being married would be right underneath of it, but right there. And all three of those things are very difficult and take a lot of effort. And yet it's crazy fulfilling and invigorating. It's life. And I'm so thankful to get to do those things. I'm so thankful for my wife. I'm so thankful for my children. I'm so thankful to be part of you all that right here. And it's the same for you if you think about it. The thing, the most fulfilling thing that you have ever done was not sitting in the recliner being fed grapes. 
The most fulfilling thing that you have ever done took a lot of effort. And so it will be here. The very next thing that happens here, the, the disciples are figuring it out. So the 12 called a meeting, back to verse 2, so the 12 called a meeting with the believers and they said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. So the brothers selected seven men who were well respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom and we will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Verse 5, look at this. Everyone liked this idea. Even the seven, probably especially the seven, they're like, man, I've got a part of all this. I, got, I get to get some skin in this game. This is where my real life begins. Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following, and so on it goes, and it names the following, and they're gifting. So it's not hard to see where we're going here this morning. And if we're, if we're here with the country club idea, sooner or later you're going to be unhappy. It's just inevitable. Sooner or later that service, you go to the same restaurant long enough and sooner or later they're going to be slow getting you your dinner. They're going to be slow showing up or the dinner's going to be overcooked or undercooked or the waitress is not going to be not quite friendly enough. There's going to be something. The one that always cracks me up in that is that, that commercial. Some of you have seen it years ago when the, when, when the guy's like, I didn't order mayonnaise, and the waitress is like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Truth of the matter is, if we come in with a being served attitude, the quicker we get over it and understand that we came, that we're here to serve, our real life, our purpose, the exciting part for us is when we get to serve. The real deal for each and every one of us here is finding what we're called to do and when we start to do it. And the healthiest thing for this church is when we figure it out. And when these guys see us doing it, they get the right idea about why we're here. But I'm going to go ahead and say one more thing. If we show up every week and they see us being served, when they get old enough not to come anymore, they're going to quit coming because it's dead and it's boring and nobody's life has changed because of it. But they see us there and we're excited to be there and our real life is in there and serving, doing the things we're called to do. And we are not only inspired because of it but everybody that sees us is inspired because they see the change in us and how thrilling it is for us to do the deal they're gonna stay forever and so will their children and their children's children turn with me now if you would to first corinthians twelve we're going to start this here about the fourth verse. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. 
There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. Verse 6. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. Verse 7. A spiritual gift is given to each of us. Now let's back up and read 6 again. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in most of us? No, all of us. Verse 7, a spiritual gift is given to each of us. That sounds completely and all-inclusive. So we, each of us, can help each other. Okay, verse 8. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives the message of special knowledge. Verse 9, the same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. Verse 10, he gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy, which means to share a message from God. He gives someone else the ability to discern. Every message we hear isn't from God, even if it comes from a preacher. We need somebody to tell us, it's like, hey, you know what, that ain't quite right. That was mostly true, but not completely true, and I'll tell you why. Whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit, it says. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages. Sometimes when we get to this part, it freaks a lot of people out. But I'm going to tell you what, if I am standing before a group of women and when I speak, they understand what I said, I am speaking in an unknown language. (laughs) It's true. I was raised by a man in a man's world. And all of a sudden, one day I was married And I thought that they thought just like I did. And it took me a long time to figure out they're a little different. (laughs) Verse 11. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each each person should have. My God decided before you were conceived, what he was going to give you. And he give it to you with a purpose. He give it to you for you to use for his kingdom, for his glory, for his church. It wasn't an accident. Verse 12, and I love this where this goes. The human body has many parts. But the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews and are Gentiles. Some are slaves. Some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. And we all share the same spirit. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you have never received Christ, if you've never been baptized, we want to fix that today. We will want to get prepared to go forward So that we can have you in this body and in this body of service. Verse 14. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. And I got to thinking about this as we go forward and we start thinking about all those 
one of the the one part of the body that's not fixing to be mentioned is the butt. <laughs> I'm sure there's a purpose for that thing, but it don't talk a lot about resting on it. You know, my brother used to call it mechanic, and I'd call him and I'd say, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Oh man, I'm mechanic, and I'm fixing to put a rear end in this recliner." when you're branding you know this time of the year we all we have our spring works and it's always for anybody in the cow business i've never met anybody that didn't love branding season it was a time to get together with your neighbors and your friends and do the kind of work that you loved and in the branding pen it's so interesting Everybody don't rope at the same time. You got two ropers. You got two, usually one, depending on whether you use the Nord Fork or whether you you uh, you flank all the calves or or tail them down. You got usually got two guys for each roper on the ground. You got a guy giving shots. You got a got another guy branding. You got somebody else running the knife. Now, all of those jobs are kind of interchangeable, but some guys are better at each of those than others. And I'm going to tell you the most aggravating thing there is is if a calf gets out and everybody leaves to get the calf, the guy standing there leaning on the iron is like, this is stupid. If just one guy would have went and got him, we could still be branding. It is the same in ministry. Some of the jobs are interchangeable, but we're called to certain parts of it. Down the road, you're teaching the next guy how to do that job. When these guys are there to Brandon, we're teaching them how to do each of these jobs. Hoping that they'll be able to do any one of them in a pinch. Some of them are going to be better at roping. Some of them are going to be better at running the knife. There's going to be all kinds of things. Somebody's going to have a real feel for when there's a calf that's a little sick. All kinds of things. So it is in here. I want to finish here real quick. Yes, the body has, this verse 14, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. 15. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, and I think about this in cowboy stuff, he's like, he ain't no hand, he's just a finger. But... (laughs) The foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I am not a hand. That does not make it any less a part of the body. 16, and if a ear says, I am not part of the body because I am not an eye, would, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many different parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. Listen to that. Our body has many different parts, and God has, and God has put each part just where he wants it. Our body has many different parts, and our God has put you right where he wants you. And he wants you to smell or hear or see or you f- be the feet or the hands.
How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. And I can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care so we can carefully protect those parts that should not be seen. Some guys are, are called for right now to be behind the scenes doing stuff. All kinds of things. Verse 24. While the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that are with less dignity. This makes for harmony amongst the members so that all members can care for each other. Listen to this again. This makes for harmony among the members so that all members care for each other. Verse 26. If one part suffers, all parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all parts are glad. If one part suffers, all parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. We as a body, we want to be glad with you as you as you conquer things. We want to suffer with you. We need to suffer with you. And there's going to be times in each of our lives for all of it. Verse 27. All of you together are Christ's body. And each of you is a part of it. Soon as we get rid of the country club idea. We're going to be in. And it's going to be amazing. And it's going to be mighty. And I know some of you. Don't really want to hear it yet. But I'm going to tell you right now, the quicker we rip that band-aid off and you come to grips with that you're here to serve, you're going to be a long-term guy or gal and you're going to be inspired and you're going to be changed and you're going to make a difference in that body. I love this. In this... In this, I had, I've been reading a book on this type of thing, and there's a pledge. We're fixing to have communion right now, and I want you to explore where you are, but I want you to re- read this pledge, and I want to read it to you. As to do communion right and to do it healthy, it's of the utmost importance that we reflect, that we understand where we are. That if we got something between us and Christ, that we deal with that. I am always skeptical to do communion because of the sincerity, because of the importance it is. And I don't want to lead anybody into a place that they take it cheaply. This is a place where we remember what our Lord has done for us. 
it with through the blood and through the body if we take it cheaply we're bringing sin upon ourselves and we could very easily suffer some consequences for it it says plainly so with all sincerity in our time of reflection i'm asking you to also reflect and i'm going to tell you right now if you're not ready to make this pledge we still want you here we love you we are going to patiently wait for you to come to this place and we desire for you to be here and i'm not going to nag you about it and nor is anybody else but i'm going to tell you sooner or later you're going to be unhappy with the service until you get to here and i want to read it i am a church member I like the metaphor of membership. It is not membership as in a civic organization or a country club. It is the kind of membership given to us in 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individual, and individual members of it. Because I am a member of the body of Christ, I, am, I must be a functioning member, whether I am an eye or an ear or a hand. As a functioning member, I will give. I will serve. You know, when that first time we say that, it scares the thunder out of us. But once we live through it, we're like, man, that is really awesome. I will give. I will serve. I will minister. I will evangelize. I will study. What? Yeah, study. <laughs> Usually when we show up in the service deal, we want that just to be fed to us. We really don't want to go home and study. But I'm going to tell you, it'll be amazing if you do. Your journey with Christ will be so much more fulfilling. And your confidence in him and where you are will blossom if you'll do your own study. And don't depend on me to do it for you, please. I will study. I will seek to be a blessing to others. I will remember that if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. Pray with me. Father, right now we're coming to you in a time of reflection. Right now, it's a time for us to get straight with you. Some of us, maybe all of us, we got sins that we haven't confessed to you. We got places that we should have stepped up that we didn't and we want to do better next time. The truth of the matter is whether we're ready to admit it or not, we need to be in your service we need to serve you so that we can truly find who we are and so father i just pray that each and every person right now with their eyes closed as they're self-reflecting as they're getting honest with you And they're deciding whether they're ready to make this commitment. 
truly serve you, whatever that means. Oh, it scares every one of us. Because we know when we truly serve you, you're going to call us outside of what we're capable of and into the realm of what you're capable of. And people are going to be watching. But the truth is our real life is hidden in that. And I thank you for that. And I thank you for each and every person here right now. Each and every person that's getting real with you. Each and every person that's either already made this commitment or maybe they're juggling with it. Decide, can I do it? The answer is no, you can't. Not in our own power. But through you, Father, we can. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Without you, we can't do nothing right. Right now, Father, we're beginning with the end in mind. We're playing the tape all the way to the end. Give us that vision, Father. As you prepare us to do the next right thing. I praise you for this. I praise you for putting each and every one of us here today. I pray that if there's anybody here that has never received you, that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of life. And I just thank you for your presence. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.